<laughs> Just want to clarify that real quick. All right. Reconciliation. It is something that the church is called to do. It's what we're called to do as brothers and sisters in Christ. But I'm going to tell you, I think it's something that we stink at when it comes to the church. Boy, we're good at seeing one another's sins and we're good at at calling those out and we're good at pointing those out and we're good at, at, at letting others see them when they're in somebody else. But actual reconciliation to make things right between people, boy, we are not good at this. So we're going to look at this this morning, and it's in Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bible, please stand with us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 through 24. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Father, my prayer this morning is that as we prepare to worship, as we prepare to uh, come and listen to what your words have for us this morning, that we will honestly think about those that we need to be reconciled to, that we will, uh, Father, seek above all things to make right those who are hurting within the church, and there are plenty who are hurting within the church. We are human. We um, we don't need help in running spiritually. We don't need help in knowing how to sin. Uh, these are things that, that, that come natural. And unfortunately, when, when someone sins against us within the church, oftentimes we just get angry. And we draw lines and we decide who's going to be on our side and who's going to be on their side. And, and then bitterness becomes a part of the church and there's zero reconciliation there. God, today, may we prepare our hearts to help one another, to bring those who are outside of the fellowship back in to worship. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. A lot of the churches I've pastored, there has been needs for reconciliation. And it's normally within neighbors or family groups that the need is so great. I have pastored churches where literally families, they were all kin to one another, but they came in. They would, they would all come in at one time and sit on one side and the next group would come in. And, and then whenever the service was over, um, there was no crossing the aisle. It was, it was just you stuck with these folks and you stuck with these folks. And, and you would ask the younger generation, what is it that everybody's so angry at? And they didn't know. They just knew that they were supposed to be angry. And that is what a lack of reconciliation does whenever we don't go back and we don't make right things between our brothers. It festers and it's passed from generation to generation, but nobody really knows, knows the cause of what has happened. And therefore, it hinders our worship because our hearts are not right with God. So he says, if, if you're presenting your offering at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. When it comes to us and it comes to worship, 
we're often more concerned about, God, are you happy with me today? Are you good? Or have we worshiped today than we are? Is my brother good with me? Is, is, are things right between myself and my fellow church members? And there's no reconciliation that you find a lot of times in churches. Instead, what happens, people get offended, people get hurt, or they go off and they do something crazy, and the church then shuns them, and we no longer have a part in reconciliation. The idea of reconciliation is bringing you and your brother or you and your sister back to a place where you can sit in a room and you can worship together and not sit there and go, I wonder what they're thinking right now. True reconciliation is coming to that place where you both come together in a desire to worship together, love one another, understanding that each of you has issues. You see, how do we know that the church has issues? If you've ever read the, Paul, the letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, you would understand. Christian people have issues. Christian people have, have things going on in their lives that, that they're not perfect people. We haven't made it to heaven. I have, I have pastored people who I believe honestly thought that they had already made it to heaven. Because they could see no wrong in what they did, but they knew everything wrong with everybody else. Folks, it's hard to reconcile when you yourself can't see yourself as a sinner. Reconciliation is recognizing that you could have easily offended someone. Or if you were offended, maybe the words that were said weren't quite what they were meant to be. And they came out wrong. And and so automatically we're offended. And instead of reconciling, now we're angry. And the Bible is very clear. We are to reconcile with our brother, with our sister. And then we come and we present our offering. But we must be right with one another. A lot of churches, again, there's, there's so much bickering and so much fighting and so much animosity between the people in the, in the pews and in the seats that true worship cannot be experienced because you're more concerned about the person sitting next to you than you are about getting your heart right with God and with that brother or sister. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, just to give you an idea of some of the things that were going on within the church. Verse 15 says, Do you not know that your bodies are parts of Christ? Shall I then take away the parts of Christ and make them parts of a prostitute? Far from it. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, the two shall become one flesh, but the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every other sin that a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. The purposes that God gave you that body for is what he's saying. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought for a price, therefore glorify God in your body." Sin has been happening in the church ever since the church got started. There have been issues. This is the early church. Paul is writing to this church in Corinth and saying, look, already within your body, I have taught you what is truth, and yet you have traded in for sexual immorality. Within the church, there are going to be issues. Within the church, there are going to be sins. People are not perfect. And what it does We, instead of looking at our brother who has fallen as one who has fallen and needs to help up, we look at our brother who has fallen and go, well, I see they couldn't make it. 
What a shame. They've wasted, what a waste we get. We, we poured all our time into this person. We've done all this work for this person and they've, they've fallen into sin. And, and, and you know what? I'm just done. But yet the Bible says that for true worship, for us to truly bring our gifts and our things to the Lord, we must be right with our brother. We must reconcile. We don't want reconciliation. It's easier for us if that person just left the church. And then once they're gone, we can say, well, I did what I could. I tried my best. But did we really follow the principle of reconciliation? Did we really go to our brother or our sister and say, look, this is wrong? And some of us say, well, I did that. But did we go with the attitude of judgment or did we go with the attitude of reconciliation? Y'all do know what the difference is, right? I can go and point my brother or sister's sin out to them and I can do it in an attitude of judgment where there's no hope for reconciliation. Instead, all I'm doing is beating them down over their sin when the ultimate job of the Christian is to go to my brother or sister and with the hope of reconciliation and the hope of bringing them back to a place of worshiping the Father within the right attitude, the right heart, and the right spirit. That's reconciliation. Reconciliation is going to my brother who has fallen, who has sinned, and building my brother or sister back up in the faith and telling them, look, we all we all sin. Anybody here not sin? I'm just wondering. Anybody here made it yet? Y'all have already made it. You're, you're, you're there. You're perfect. We reconcile. This is a call that God has given us. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6 verse 1 says, Brothers and sisters, even if a person is called in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you are not tempted as well. Let's go through this. Brothers and sisters. So he's talking about who? Talking about the church, God's people, the redeemed, the saved, those who belong to God. Even if a person is called in any wrongdoing, he again is talking about the church, God's people, because we're going to fall. We're going to fall. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to sin. It says that you who are spiritual are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness. How do you know if you're spiritual? You'll be able to go to that person in a spirit of what? Gentleness. I've watched very unspiritual people try to fix other people. There's no gentleness when they speak. There's no understanding that they themselves could also fall into sin. But instead, it's just, look what you did. If you would get this right and do this and do that, then everything else would be okay. Be careful because he says, each one looking to yourself so that you are not tempted as well. You and I are called to go. We are called to work. We are called to, to bring our brothers and sisters back to a right relationship with God. But if I don't go in gentleness and I don't go understanding that I too could fall into sin, then we aren't the people that need to be doing the job. A spirit of gentleness. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 15 says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion. A heart of compassion. The only way you can have compassion is if you understand that you too could fall. Or maybe you've been there, you've, you've, you've been there, done that and got the t-shirt. And so you can come to that person and look, I know what you're going through. I, I have, I, I get what you, what's happened in your life and I'm coming with compassion. 
with kindness. Instead of, instead of beating the brother or sister down for their wrongdoing, instead you're coming to them with kindness. You're building them up in humility, realizing that at any moment I too could fall and that the only reason I've made it to this point is because of God. Gentleness and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so must you do also. Well, Brother Tom, I will gladly forgive the person as soon as they ask me to. Is that how that works? You know, Brother Tom, if, if, if they would just understand what they did to me, then it would be easier to forgive. Let me read this to you one more time. Bearing with one another, verse 13 says, and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so you, so must you do also. In addition to all these things, put on love. By the way, what kind of love does God have towards us? He loved you enough to die, to send his son to die on a cross. Which is the perfect bond of unity, by the way. Because love overlooks the fault. And it helps, it helps get the sinner back to the place it needs to be. Now, it doesn't just say, well, we're, you're good, everything's good. No, no, no. It's that we don't hold on to the, to the fault. We don't hold on to that sin that that person committed. He says, in addition to all these things, put on love, which is a perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ to which... You were indeed called in one body, rule in your hearts, and be thankful. Very clearly, the Colossians needed to understand, yes, you are saved. Yes, you are, gen- yes, you are born again. These things have happened. However, there is still sin within the life of the Christian. And you got to realize this. Why are we shocked when people fall? Be honest. Why are we shocked? We think we know somebody, right? How could they do that? Well, they could do it the same way you could do it. Anybody in here ever been going for a parking space? Right? Y'all, all you, you just want the parking space. Like you, you even put your blinker on, right? And you're waiting, you're, 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 you're doing everything right, and you're waiting, the car's backing up, and they're, they're, they, you've got your blinker on. Therefore, because your blinker's on, you own that spot, right? And as soon as that car backs out, you're waiting for them to come by you. But the whole time you're thinking, of, if they'd have backed up the other way, they'd have blocked that spot for me. But as they drive by you, what happens? Somebody grabs that parking spot, and your first thought is reconciliation, <laughs> right? Be honest. No, no, no. Seriously, that's your first thought is, man, I, I just want to get out, talk to that person, and reconcile with them. <clears throat> I, I want to be able to get out and, and be Christian and lay hands on. The Bible says laying hands on somebody is part of the, is part of the Christianity thing. But maybe I misunderstood how that what they meant by that, but something as as simple as a parking spot. And if anybody's ever rode with me, you know, you know that I need prayer, 
right? The person riding with me apparently needs prayer, I was just told. But if you ride with me, you know that I need prayer. I'm not the most patient driver in the world. Um, I believe that whoever gets there first wins. Um, But uh, it's a struggle, and it's real. Something as simple as, as just a parking spot can make us as a born-again believer who has been bought with the blood of Christ, who has been forgiven of, of heinous stuff, of, of, of stuff that we would not want anybody else to know. One parking spot just sets it off. And then, and then we wonder why other people sin. I can't believe that that person had an affair I can't believe he left his family. I, I can't believe she did that. I can't believe they posted that. I can't believe they... Really? You were just so upset about a parking spot. And yet when somebody else falls, how could they do that? We're separated because we can't see our own sinfulness. That's why we can't be reconciled. Because we can't see how our sin could be as bad as others. Matthew 18. Matthew 18 says this. It says, now if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. Did y'all catch that part? What it said was, when your brother, let me read this again. Let me make sure we're all on the same page. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. However, before you go to your brother, you're supposed to gather up as many people as you can to pray for the situation. You okay, that part? I got to get all my folks to know what I'm fixing to go do. So I tell them everything that my brother did to me so they can pray. We're not following the scripture, are we? The Bible says I'm supposed to go to my brother. I'm not supposed to gather my army. I'm not supposed to tell everybody what I've got, got, what I got going on. Instead, it's simply this. If my brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you. We do the opposite. We let everybody know what's going on, and then we go to our brother. By the time we get to our brother, our brother's already found out that we've already said something to everybody else. Guess what our brother doesn't want to do now? He don't want to reconcile because we didn't follow the biblical manner of reconciliation. If he doesn't listen, then you go and you take two or three more so that on the testimony of two or three witnesses, every matter may be confirmed. You know what amazes me about Christian people? And my wife and I have seen this. Everybody's big and bad until it's your turn to go and confront somebody. Well, I guarantee if they do that to me, I'll get right in their face. Well, I'm glad you said that. I would like you to go with me so that we can talk to that person since you know about this and since it was done to you in the past because I know it has been, but now you're talking like you want to go, so let's go. Oh, no, no, we don't need to do that. They've made their choice. No. The job of the church is to grab people who are walking away from the church and bring them back. It is not to let them go. Our job is to grab them and point them back to Christ. 
And if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, he is to be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Folks, the Jews didn't care for Gentiles or tax collectors. If I'm going to get my brother right with me, if I'm going to reconcile, if I'm going to bring people back in, something's going to happen. I've got to prepare for something. Anybody know what I've got to prepare for? I've got to prepare for surgery. Anybody in here a surgeon? Let me ask you this. If you were going to have major heart surgery and you found out that your heart surgeon only had one good eye, but I'm 20-20 in my good eye. You're going to reschedule? Is that what you said? I'm thinking something else. I don't want that. Nope, nope. But, but, but listen, I've, I'm telling you, I'm going to go and, and, and I'm going to have heart surgery, but my heart surgeon doesn't really look, look that great, doesn't look that good. Things are kind of messed up. Um, Matthew 7 says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. And that's all people read. They don't, they don't read the rest of it. All they read is, don't judge me. The Bible says so. Really? Like, have you read the whole Bible? Or at least finished that particular passage? It says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Let me tell you what he means. You know you're going to judge. I know I'm going to judge. And there's even a call to judge. What he's saying is you better be very careful because the way that you judge, it will be given to you. So if you judge harshly, guess what? Others are going to judge you harshly. The problem is I've watched people who judge harshly. They hate being judged the same way. They hate it. They get angry. They get loud. They get mad. How dare you do that to me? Well, you did that. I'm just doing to you what you've done to everybody else. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye? I'm getting ready to do surgery. You got something in your eye. Let me help you get it out. Now, Christian, listen to me. If I've got something in my eye, I usually do my absolute best to get it out myself. I don't want anybody messing with my eye. I'll, whatever means I've got, I want to try to get this thing because I, I don't like things in my eye. I, I hate it. The Bible's very clear about something that we love to look at the speck in our brother's eye, but we don't notice the log that is in our own eye. If you're going to do surgery on your brother, you need to see clearly. And we are to look. The Bible's calling us to look into our brother. We, we're to, we're to, as believers, we should give permission to one another to look into our, to each other's life. But remember, if you're going to be harsh towards me, you better get ready because I'm probably going to turn around and be what? Harsh back towards you. Well, Brother Tom, you're not being very Christian. If that's your thought process, you're probably the one who needs to have the log taken out. 
Or, do you, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and look, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Whatever sin you notice in your brother or sister's life, in order to help get that out properly, you've got to realize that that could have been you. That could have been you. Our biggest problem when it comes to reconciliation, we cannot see the man in the mirror. We cannot tell that that person ever had a fault. Oh, but man, I can tell you what is wrong with everybody else. Think about the people that have left this church. And people always ask me, bro, Tom, why did so-and-so leave? Why did they leave? And if they left because they joined another church or they left because they moved, I have no problem sharing that. But there's sometimes, I'm not going to tell you why a person left, but I would tell you that for the most part, there are a lot of people who have gone to those people and done their best to reconcile them back to Christ. And that person didn't want to return. And because they didn't want to return, then they just left the church. 